Hello and welcome to Harry and Guest with me, Harry, and my guest. Today in our seventh episode, I am joined by Mark. Good afternoon, Harry. Good afternoon. Uh, how are you on this fine Wednesday afternoon? I'm very well, thank you. Um, yep, it's raining outside, but it is. I'm, I'm feeling pretty cheery. Well, that's the good. This national weather, so that's <laughs> it's good. And it's almost Christmas holiday. Well, this is true, which is exciting for everyone. <laughs> um, so, I was thinking today. Oh, oh we should explain uh, who you are in relation to uh, me and the podcast. Okay. Uh, so you are uh, the head of media at I, my college. I am, indeed. Um, which is, how does that? How is that being head of media at this college? It's absolutely fine. This is my tenth year as head of media wow. here, so it's been been a while now. Um, and there's film studies, media studies. And BTEC Media, yeah. it's a, it's a great corridor to be in. A great, it is a lot great to teachers, do. great colleagues, yeah, great students. Yeah, good place as well. Yeah, it's a nice it's location. Great. Yeah, nice. um, so I was thinking we should start as your head of media. I was thinking we should <laughs> start uh, with talking a bit about sort of media and sort of films specifically, mm -hmm. um, and sort of what sort of got you interested in uh, films from a sort of academic perspective? Okay, okay, good good question. Can I ask you a question first? Though, yes, you can. Harry or Henry? Because like, oh, you're the good only question. person I yeah. know with two names. <laughs> okay, so alternates. well, it's, it's, it's a difficult one because in terms of like, uh, legally, uh, I am uh, Henry, like on my birth certificate and things, sure. I'm Henry. But I suppose it's more of a sort of informal sort of thing. Uh, is where Harry came from because Harry's a sort of there's a lot of pe most people who Harry mm. their legal name isn't Harry because oh. it's like Prince Harry sure. actually Henry so is he really I didn't he know is, that yeah oh, yeah yeah okay. so I think Harry is just a more sort of informal version of Henry um, but I think for the podcast probably Harry is because it's Harry and guest so it would well, I don't think I've ever called you Henry I no I can't remember very ever few people you Henry. do because yeah. it's generally, with some teachers, I just let them call me Henry because I can't be bothered to correct them. Um, <laughs> You're that kind of guy. Yeah, well, because sometimes on the on like the college system, it says I'm Henry, but sometimes yeah. it says I'm Harry. So it's like, I don't even know. And then some exams think I'm <laughs> Harry, and it's like, oh, who knows? As long as you know who you are. Well, yeah, I know who that's I am. That's, that's good enough. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, films, it, did you, or have you always watched films sort of from a young age? Mm. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've, I've always been a film fanatic. So when I was about age seven or eight, my hobby was um, writing down titles of films right. with the year and director next to them. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to fill up exercise books just with really? names of films. Wow. And, you know, it didn't matter if I'd seen them or not. Um, right. But I, w I always had a fascination for films um, that I hadn't seen. Mm. So looking through, my, my parents were both big into film as well so right. looking through sort of books uh, images of films and thinking oh I wonder what that one's like yeah um, and yeah just it was just a I mean there's a bit of a collector thing there isn't there mm. I think quite a lot of sort of men have that kind of yeah it's like tendency to want to collect yeah things it's like one thing that everyone, yeah, yeah absolutely so yeah. Um, what I just found myself doing was like looking down the list and if there was a, a film on TV mm. there was only three channels in those days right I would highlight the film and um, right. sort of, you know, gradually make my way through this. Sort of like this a checklist. List, like a checklist, wow, yeah. <laughs> but I imagine that kind of thing would like broaden your horizons in yeah. terms of you would have watched more films than most people. Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
because my parents were born in the 1940s, mm. quite a lot of the films that I was exposed to were things like westerns, right. musicals, yeah. so kind of like old-fashioned movies. You know? yeah. But when I was seven, I was hit with two really important films. So I went to see Jaws at the cinema, right. yeah. and I went to see Star Wars at the mm. cinema. So you know, they, had a, they were spectacles. They had such a big yeah. impact on me. Um, and they felt like proper films, you know, they felt like properly cinematic experiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think they were probably had quite a profound effect on me in terms of, you know, the films that I like and the films that yeah, what I, I like think about films. They were quite sort of culturally significant films mm. in general. Like they they changed a lot of people, but they also changed the industry as a sort of whole. Yeah. Um, and did you find after those films you tended to uh, gravitate more towards those kind of big spectacle sort of films? Yeah, because I guess, I guess the late 70s was the time of spectacle cinema. Yeah. It's just because obviously, as you just said, you know, the cultural impact it had mm. kind of completely changed the game, didn't yeah. it? You know, and, and when you look at how Star Wars was marketed, I was the perfect seven-year-old. <laughs> I had all the figures, the wow. bubblegum cards, the comics... The pajamas, you know, I was right. so obsessed. You still have any of that. that stuff? I don't have any of it anymore. Much See, that's because they are now worth. I know. Also, well, <laughs> I suppose for children, yeah, but <laughs> but they're also, uh, yeah. It's crazy how that. It's sort of like the marketing somewhat overtook the film itself. Yeah. And that, like the toys yeah. and things. It's like it's crazy. But in a way, it was like it had a mystique about it because I experienced it once at mm. the cinema. Um, actually, I experienced it twice at the cinema. Right. And that, that was it. I never saw the film again because we didn't have a VCR machine. Obviously, discs didn't exist. Um, and the next time I could watch it was when it was broadcast on TV about five years later. Wow. By that time, I was 12, and I kind of moved on to something else. You yeah. Know? So yeah. It's, it always had that you replayed it in your head mm. many, many times. And looking at the bubblegum cards, I used to try and put it in narrative order. <laughs> <laughs> A todder off yeah. <laughs> structure. <laughs> yeah, I, th I mean, I think that's the same, like, because even now, like I'd say the Marvel films are having a similar impact as the mm. Star Wars did, but even I am obsessed with those films, but most of the, like, the big ones, I've only seen one or once or yeah. twice, but it's yeah. like, I can still, like, remember it, and so mm. I just, I, it goes away, it, like, keeps going. Mm. Like, even when you, because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I've seen the new Avengers film 20 times. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'd get bored of it. I'd, yeah. I'd not want to watch it again if I'd watched it that many times. So I've seen the new Avengers film uh, twice, um, but it was three hours long, so yeah. I've committed six hours. Yeah. <laughs> this is more than most. Um, so I, but I mean, still, I can remember every single scene in it. Mm. But I feel like the more I, if I watched it like a lot, I, I, would, I would just get bored of it. And Do I you would think it would devalue it a bit as well? Because yeah, I think it would. Mm. I think it would because it's sort of, it was the moment, the, the, the first experience of watching it, you had the build-up. It was, you know, it was massive. Yeah. It was very exciting. And as you yeah. were watching, it was like all the emotions. But and then when it ended, it was just sort of like a, it was, and you were just talking about it for ages. And I, d I think that is sort of the uh, resounding memory that I have of that film. Mm. And if I went to it like more times, I'd be like, I would. They would sort of cloud the effect that the original yeah. one had. Yeah. So it's just sort of, yeah. I think it's. I think it's. There's something to be said for watching a film once. Yeah, it's event cinema, isn't it? I yeah. think that's the great thing about these Marvel movies is that they've brought that spectacle back mm. and they've brought that experience back. Yeah. So you know, my boys couldn't wait to go and see Infinity War and the, and the last one. Yeah. And it was a really big deal, you know, and it's that feeling of, yeah, we're going to go this weekend. We're going to yeah. watch it this weekend. Whereas kind of, I think that had disappeared for a while from cinema. Yeah. So even if you don't like those Marvel films and 
I don't like all of them. I like some of them. There's loads that I love. Um, I think it has brought something a bit more special to the cinema going experience that yeah. I think we were lacking. Yeah, I mean, because... Uh, and then you have those comments from people like Martin Scorsese who mm. consider themselves like film purists, mm. and they don't like the idea of Marvel films. But I sort of feel like maybe that's a thing that... It's a sort of an element of jealousy because mm. their films used to be the films that created this kind of hype. Yeah. And now they're sort of being... And not left behind because obviously The Irishman was a big success, but they're not as sort of it's not as much of an event when one of their films comes out as it used to be yeah that's kind of concept has been taken do you think it's an element of jealousy or do you think there is something to be said that the marvel films aren't films more so just experiences like a theme park right like you said yeah um well that's a tough one harry really because i mean um, the way i look at it is that okay you cannot take away from Martin Scorsese. Mm. He's an amazing director, some of my favourite films. Um, but I think we are living in the age where the text is king rather than the director. Yeah. So we kind of it's almost like that auteur system that he was, you know, he was a big part of, and yeah. those 70s directors were a big part of. I think that's kind of gone now. Mm. I mean, even if you look at a director like um, Quentin Tarantino, you know, you can kind of see that that age of uh, unfilmed uh, Tarantino yeah. has, is disappearing and now we we are I mean who directed I can't tell you who directed um, Infinity War or Endgame I can't tell you yeah. but the thing is I loved both of those films and as a film nerd usually the first thing that I would look at is whose name is yeah. against it and now that doesn't matter to me yeah I think <laughs> it's, but also I think it's a lot of that kind of Infinity War and Endgame because they were sort of culmination of all different movies they didn't have they had elements of their own sort of unique style, but yeah. they were quite formulaic. But I think that was a benefit because it means that you could just go into it. You could just enjoy it for what it was instead yeah. of having it be a very artistic thing. Because the way that Marvel have run it for a long time, I mean, they're sort of easing up a bit on it now with Taika Waititi and they're bringing yes. in these more sort of independent directors who have a more of a significant style. But I think the way they used to do it, they used to get a lot of TV directors who weren't used to having the sort of creative control and they would have Kevin Feige who would have that creative control mm. and he would like a TV because it is essentially a massive TV show. Mm. And so, and as a TV show, you have the executive producer who has the creative power and then the directors who just do the basic things and I think that's sort of the way they were going for a long time. But I think that works. It was consistent. It's a bit more like the old studio system in a way, isn't yeah. it? Where the studio is the star yeah. and um, they, are, they are hired hands. Mm. But like you were saying, it is interesting that they are there are independent directors that they're pulling yeah, in. Yeah. And Thor Ragnarok felt like a real different direction for yeah, the franchise. Exactly, yeah. And it's, um, uh, Thor Ragnarok's, it, it's remarkable because it did a lot of things. It took mm. probably the least popular franchise in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe and reinvigorated it to such an extent that the actor, Chris uh, Chris Hemsworth, has signed on for more films mm. just because of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. But also I think bring, by bringing in more sort of uh, independent, lesser known directors, I think it's doing a great things for sort of more independent cinema because mm. um, Taika Waititi, he did Thor Ragnarok as wildly successful. Everyone liked him. And so they now went and see his new film, uh, and it's just so. And the I, old films as well, going back to exactly, the films yeah, before, and, yeah, you know, it's, they become sort so of I think top successes. A lot of people, it, a lot of people don't see how the Marvel movies can be elements for change, mm. uh, and a good way of sort of 
bringing someone into the limelight because you don't because a lot of established directors you don't get many established directors who would do a Marvel movie because they would see themselves as above it mm. so I actually but I like how they get sort of lesser known directors give them a Marvel movie they do well people like it then they go and see their other movies it's yeah. sort of a way of because a lot of people were concerned uh, about the Marvel movies that they were big and they were eclipsing independent cinema and independent mm. cinema was becoming irrelevant but actually I think as a result of those kind of big budget it's actually propelled independent cinema into a new age because mm. independent films are more popular, I think, than they've ever been mm. now. Um, and I, I do think that's because bigger movies have been making smaller directors bigger directors. Mm. Which I mean, you've got, I think, you know, the landscape's changed anyway. Now you have people like Netflix. Yeah. If you are an independent director, you know, they're going to take a chance on you mm. because they, they have very deep pockets. They do. <laughs> Okay, so we're back. Uh, sorry about the break. Uh, Mark had to take a phone call. Sorry. Uh, but that makes sense, as he's a head of a <laughs> department. So that makes sense. Right, uh, so we were talking about something. Yes, we were just discussing uh, the death of the auteur system. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, let's go into something else. That was, yeah, that was something good. Else. That was, that was right, good. Yeah, we that were was. going down a cul-de-sac, but we that are, was good. We are. Um, so I have heard, uh, down the grapevine... Uh, Actually, you may have said it, <laughs> but someone <laughs> said it, that you used to work uh, for the BBFC. I did. Uh, which is, for those who don't know, the British Board of Film Classification. Mm, indeed. Um, can you explain a bit about what you sort of did there? Okay, so um, I started working for the board in... They're the regulator for film, TV, and at the time it was not TV, film, DVD, and at the time it was games as right. well. Um, and that was in 2006 I worked for them. And I was employed as an examiner. So what examiners do, essentially, when a film is being released before the release date, it would be sent from the, um, the studio to the BBFC, and then we would watch it, and we would make a report on it about some of the what we call the, the regulation issues. So it could be language or nudity, anything that would sort of cause alarm to the general public. And at the end of the report, we would recommend a particular certificate um, which, as you know, in the UK is based on age. So yep. 12A, 15, PG, 18. So that was my job, doing eight hours a day, uh, watching material and making recommendations. Right. So if so. you were to rate, would you watch the whole film? Oh, yes, yes. Right. And what's some of the most famous films that you... Would, would it, I mean, presumably it wouldn't just be you who decides on the rating. No. Well, it would be two examiners. Right. So each, um, each film would have two examiners watching it together. And it, yes, it, at the end of the film was a, a, a process of discussion and um, consultation to what's called the guidelines, the, right. the stipulations that the, the board would would set down, and um, and you make that decision together. Now it may be that I may say 15 and my colleague might say 18, so that's a discussion that we can have and a discussion mm. we have further down the pub. But what would happen would be um, if we just couldn't decide on one certificate, it would go to another team, and two right. more people would watch it. So it does get quite complex when uh, yes. <laughs> when those things happen. But mostly, you know, most sort of Hollywood movies and most kind of mainstream movies were quite easy to do, really. Yeah. You know, what are some of the most sort of uh, famous or well-known films that sure. you had sure. hand in? Okay, so we're, we're talking we're talking 2006 to 2010. Right. So we're looking at things like um, Harry Potter, uh, one of the Harry Potter films. Wow. So I rated. 
uh, the first Transformers film. Oh. Um, any other biggies? Uh, oh, I'm on the spot now, aren't I? <laughs> there are for big ones, but I'm really ho- I'm struggling <laughs> to remember what they are. And did you, were you just involved in films, or did you do games? I did well? games as well. So um, when I was employed, I was employed uh, with five other people. And the idea was that more and more games were being submitted for mm. for classification, and more and more DVDs at the time, because this is a time before streaming. Right. So DVDs were the big thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. They were sort of that we just could not keep up with the demand, um, and so they n- needed more people to play games. Mm. And I was a gamer at the time, and always have been, and um, so I was one of the one of the game crew as well. Right. Which was quite fun. So um, I rated. Um, uh, Grand Theft Auto, one of the Grand Theft Auto games, really? which is wow. great. So that was like a whole week of just playing the game. You wow, know? that's <laughs> which was great. Pretty good, pretty but good. also some terrible days where you were just sitting watching the cutscenes mm. and making notes on the cutscenes. So you know, <laughs> swings and roundabouts. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and presume, I mean, obviously, you would have watched these all before they came out. Yes. So would it be like you had to sign like loads of things saying you wouldn't tell anyone what happened and things? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you work at the BBFC anyway, it's you yeah, that we it's not a government or body, it's appointed by the government, but it's run by the film industry. So there's no official secrets act or anything like that. <laughs> but you do sign a contract where you say that you you're not going to sort of give away mm. um any kind of classification decisions, you know, you have to kind of keep behind closed doors. Right. Now, what the BBFC do now, and have done for a while now, is they make themselves quite transparent. Right. So if you go into the BBFC website and you put in, I don't know, Jumanji, the new Jumanji film, it will tell you exactly what to find in the movie. Right. Plot spoilers and everything, but it will tell you all the bad language that's being used. It will tell you everything. So the more transparent it became as an organisation, mm. the less kind of, you know... Um, less kind of mystical of what was going on yeah. in Soho Square. You know, it's like you allow people that sort of glimpse into this is how this decision was made. Yeah, it's probably good for people who make those films so they yeah. can then know. Yes, yeah. yeah. So they also, or which I wasn't actually privy to because it was for people higher up than me in the organisation, <laughs> was kind of like an advisory service as well. Right. So they might send in. Um, a version of one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and none of the um, the CG was done yet, you know, and that's quite hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah, really, what, yeah, yeah. what it's going to be. So they'd say, "Oh, this is what it's going to look like." What do you think it's going to get? And you'd say, "Well, at the moment, it's looking very twelve, mm-hmm. but perhaps once that CG's on, it, you might have to tone it down a bit or something." Yeah. And usually, it's a process for filmmakers and film studios, a bit of a to and fro between right. the, between the regulator and them. So when I was there, the big the big films that were very controversial was Casino Royale, the right, Bond yeah. film, and um, The Dark Knight. Mm. So there were quite controversial decisions that were both given 12s, uh, 12As at the time. With the um, Casino Royale, it was sent for advice, and we advised them, the BBFC advised them, to um, snip down the torture scene, you know, when he's oh, yeah, hitting the bollocks yeah. with, the, with, yeah. the, with the rope. Um, to take some some of that out and mm. sort of remove some of the more sadistic elements of it, yeah. and then they would send it back, and then we'd say, 
just a little bit more, and they're going to do it again. And it was a bit of a to and fro. Yeah. Um, but even with the 12A that it was finally awarded with, it was still a controversial decision. Yeah, it was. It's <laughs> quite quite a, a, a graphic film, that one. It's a tough bond, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's a tough Although bond Although I wonder, I mean, now 15s are becoming, like R-rated films are becoming more uh, sort of prevalent and profitable. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see more of a shift into that becoming more regular? Because I was thinking the other day, 15 is not that old, mm. but the stuff you can get away with in a 15 is quite excessive. Yeah. Do you think it's because perhaps the age that we, we live in, an internet age, yeah, where perhaps there is a bit more desensitization at mm. a younger age, Yeah. you know, to when I was when I was 15? Yeah, because yeah. I was, I, you know, before you turn 15, you were like, oh, 15, that's so old. But like mm. when you're when you're 17 or 18, you're like 15. And you watch films that are like, because you still, even as a 17-year-old, a you think 15, eight, a film is rated 15. It's got to be pretty serious. Yeah. But then you, because so I think you disassociate a 15 rating with being the age of 15. Yeah. Because like, I watched The Joker a few months or weeks ago, whenever it came out. And I'm thinking, if I watched this as a 15-year-old, that would be pretty intense. Yes. That, I mean, because I mean, even as that a 17-year-old, I was like, that's yeah. that's... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. I mean, there, and there are 15s and there are 15s, aren't they? Yeah. So that that's the thing. So I've got a 13-year-old and um, you know, I'm I think I'm pretty good pleasing what what he watches. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and he wants to watch the Joker yeah. and I'm saying no to that mm-hmm. one. But there are other 15 films that we have watched together. So we watched for example, we watched Billy Elliot the other week and right. and it's language, you know, language is yeah. the issue. I'm okay with that. I don't think it's going to upset him or disturb him. Yeah. Um, Rocket Man, I, you know, we watched that, yeah. I, and, and I'm, I'm fine with that because it's sex and it's language again. Mm. Uh, but I think anything that I think is going to, I think he's going to find particularly troubling, which I think he would yeah. with the Joker. I think. That yeah, would, yeah, for sure. That would that would trouble him a bit. Yeah. Um, did you like it, by the way? I, I oh, I have a difficult thing because it's like, as a film, it was fine. But the problem I have with it is all you know all the newspapers saying oh it's it's turned the comic book genre on its head, but it's not a comic book film. Mm. It's got a character named after a comic book person, mm. but he resembles in no way any character from any comic that there's ever been. No, no. You're so it's correct. but I mean it, I, I, it was quite it was a very Martin Scorsese film I felt because he was producer, mm. but he wasn't the director. Mm. I think it has merit. The performance was amazing from uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I did get bored halfway through it. Did you? I, I did, really? but I think I think it definitely picks wow. up when it gets to Robert De Niro's chat yeah. show. From then on, it's amazing. But I, it just goes over quite a long time at the beginning, and it's yeah. sort of some of it's real, but some of it's not. But then it's sort of because you you can't tell. I mean, you sort of get some bits are a bit weird, but you but they sort of play it off. It's because like that bit where he suddenly gets in the relationship with his neighbour. Mm. I was like. Come on, yeah, really? Yeah, I was like, this is unrealistic, yeah. but then I'm like, is this just weird writing? Sure. But then afterwards, when it's revealed it's like a flashback, I'm like, well, that seems now very obvious. Yeah. But I, I don't even remember if there was precedent for there being hallucinations like that. Because there was never such an extent of a hallucination. Mm. But I suppose that... But yeah, I mean, it was some. I liked some aspects. I liked the aspects with um, Thomas Wayne, his sort of conflict... Mm. Um, I like that it left us with questions. Yeah. Like, is he actually related to Thomas Wayne? It, yes. Or, or was his mum yes. just crazy? Um, Which I, would be great, wouldn't it? If it, yeah. if it was, you know, Batman's half-brother. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, would be, that would be interesting if they... Because they're making a second one. 
that I think, which I think is, is such a shame. I just yeah, that, I, I think it worked quite well as a sort of a standalone. Yeah, because yeah. they yeah. can't call it Joker Two. That would be ridiculous. It, I, I don't know. It just because it's going to do well at award season. It's been nominated for Golden Globes, mm. and I think I just think a film like that, you could got to leave it alone because mm. you can't because the character has gone. He's made. He, he's had his journey. I mean, if you do any more, you'll be left with that thing. Where it's like it's like those anime TV shows that like you know they get new powers at the end of the season, but then they are commissioned for another season, yeah. so he has to get even more crazy yeah. powers. I think it will be like that. He'll just be getting crazier and crazier. Mm. It would just, take the uniqueness away yeah. of, of the movie, and it would become more generic. Yeah. And I think that's probably what people liked about it. It mm. didn't feel generic. It yeah. did feel a bit different. I think what there is room for though is those kind of tellings of other super, uh, yeah. like comic book characters. Yeah. I think it was a unique take on a character. We've seen quite a lot, but it's the most unique take I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's the, the, I think sort of the Logan film mm. showed there was an appetite yeah. for adult superhero movies. Yeah. And, like, you know, this is not, like you said, this is, doesn't really resemble a comic book. Um, I guess the closest, are you a comic book reader or a fan? Uh, I occasionally. Because I guess the... Um, the Alan Moore one, can't remember what it's called, Killing Joke, is possibly, oh, yeah, yeah. That's possibly the nearest it gets. Yeah, that's, you know. And they did an animated uh, rendition of The Killing Joke, uh, which mm. got mixed reviews, but um, it that was... Because they tend to be a, a lot more... They don't really care about age ratings in the animation thing, which is mm. weird, because you'd expect animation, that's <laughs> a younger audience. But actually, they've done some quite mature things mm. in the animated um, uh, spectrum. And so I think it is a diff- uh, but my problem is are they good, just going to keep going just darker and darker yeah because that was actually the problem with like Batman vs Superman and Justice League is they thought well if we just contrast the Marvel movies by going really dark we'll do really well but actually the DC movies that have performed the best besides Joker are Aquaman which is oh actually Shazam didn't do very well but critically it did well but that, Wonder Woman, I guess. Oh, and Wonder yeah, Woman, yeah. Wonder they're the they're the least dark ones. Because yeah. I think people don't go to a superhero movie to watch something dark and gritty. Mm. That's not what you do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the Joker had merits. I thought it was good. I would like to see them do the same thing with other uh, comic book characters. Like, someone was talking about a Lex Luthor one, which I think yeah. would be amazing, because yeah. um, he ran for president. And I think that would be, be an interesting sort of... Yeah. I mean, hopefully yeah. they don't go to Donald Trump with it and be like, look at the parallels, because that would be... Hopefully they don't get Jesse Eisenhower to oh. reprise the role as well. <laughs> that was not good. I, the thing is, I felt in that performance he was trying to be a bit Jokerish. He was, yeah. Which was very yeah. strange. Sort of slightly mani- maniacal. Yeah, it's just uh, weird. I, don't, I didn't like it. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. yeah. I think those those movies are almost unintelligible. Yeah, I just thought, I mean, you know, I, I have a tendency to drift off when <laughs> in superhero films anyway. But usually, I can, you know, I get, I get, find my way back into the plot. With yeah, it was just awful. Yeah, they were just awful. He was, they were. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, it's just. Very I think strange. I think you were hit the nail on the head. Whereas you know, let's let's go really dark with this. Let's yeah. make let's go really serious. Whereas the Chris Nolan movies. Hmm. Um, they just had the right balance. Oh yeah, for they sure. just had they just had such a good balance between. It was still very recognisably comic book. Yeah. But at the same time, it did have that noir edge that yeah. was, uh, you know, really they're going to do that, are they? You know, yeah. you had those those points in the in those movies. And where it was so 
different because the Batman films that had come before that, I mean, the ones that had come right before that were the really bad neon ones mm. with George Clooney in it. Um, but even um, the 1969 version, mm. that was, I mean, for its time, obviously, it was very dark and aggressive. And things, yeah. But looking back on it, it's quite sort of clunky. So I think to go suddenly in 2000 and whenever the first one, I don't know when the first one came out, 2005 or six or something like that. Yeah, um, that yeah. They were just very, it was very fast paced and it was like a Batman that we'd never seen right. before. And then it, it was just, it's a whole new world. Because um, I mean, the Dark Knight trilogy is what birthed this age of uh, superheroes. Yeah. Um, and it, I just, it's gone from being a genre that was sort of very clunky in the, you know, in the 20th century to being just very sort of fast paced and it's just very energetic and it's all because you can do so much more now yeah sure yeah I mean the, the great thing about those Nolan movies is kind of is the timing isn't yeah. it sort of 2004 or about wasn't it mm. when, when um, the first one came out and we, I think we were just ready for that then yeah you know we would and previous to that I mean I can remember in the late 80s when the Tim Burton the first Batman came out right. which is still a 15 certificate I was really surprised I don't know why um, and it was oh this is dark this yeah. is this is where Batman grows up this is you know and you watch it and even at the time I was just thinking no they've got they've got that wrong you mm. know that's not what Batman's about yeah um, Jack Nicholson was appalling as the Joker I thought it was a really bad Joker really yeah it was terrible wow. Um, that's a controversial opinion. <laughs> is it? Is a lot of people opinion? like Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I just think, mm. but I think that could be a nostalgia thing that they grew up with him being the Joker, so they, that's what they're thinking. That, that, yeah, I, I guess. But at that same time, what was happening to Batman in the comics mm. was was really interesting. So you had right. the you had Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Yeah. I think came out a couple of years before about eighty seven, right? Eighty six, eighty seven, and I just thought it was going to go down more down that route. Mm. But it seemed to be everything was a bit too colourful. Yeah. Uh, it had a terrible Prince soundtrack, and I like <laughs> Prince, and it was dreadful. Michael Keaton was, I thought, was a really bad casting choice. Yeah, he he's strange. I don't, yeah. I don't think he did very well there. I, I, he just looked strange. I don't know. His hair, I think, was what threw me off quite a lot because <laughs> it's like Bruce Wayne is supposed to have like slick, you know, he's yeah. supposed to be, but he was like wearing turtlenecks and he had yes. weird hair, and it was like, what is he this? He felt like kind of sort of Batman's dad or something he, he just felt a didn't... bit nerdy I thought yeah. for Batman who's yeah. supposed to be like tough and it's like well Christian Bale just like you know he sort of knocked that out of the park didn't yeah. he because he kind of he can play a sort of suave mm. but then he can go to like a really aggressive mm. yeah I think I they did miss a few marks in the last one um, yeah yeah it it's the, le the least successful of the three yeah, definitely sure. um but I like Tom Hardy as the Bane. I thought he was interesting, an interesting character. Really? <laughs> I thought, I, the voice, I don't know how I feel about the voice, because I. The, it's a cool voice. Do you think so? I think it is. <laughs> I think it's quite weirdly intimidating, because like, that voice over here is like, he's massive. Yeah. And, like that whole, that scene where he just puts his hand on that person's shoulder, and they just like, freeze. Well, I think, I think he, I think he had an intimidating presence, Yeah. but the voice, when I first heard the voice, I was like looking around the cinema. <laughs> you know, like, what have they done with that? Yeah, you know, just <laughs> yeah I suppose it's yeah. Because I suppose if you come from comics, Bane, you always assume to have a very deep voice. Yeah. You know, um, so I suppose it's kind of strange. But I think it's I sp that scene where he like blows up the football stadium. Yeah, it's I. <laughs> it's it's weird. I think his plan's weird. He wants to set off a nuclear bomb or something. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> it's it's just yeah. weird because it's like the bit I I just. 
Like I really like Dark Knight. Yeah. But the bit on the boat at the end, it's kind of like almost yeah. like it's tacked well, on. I often, and... I often find that I forget about the end of the Dark Knight because mm. it's like I watch it and it's like you know I remember it up until I don't remember what point but it's like the boat stuff at the end the bit where he's hanging off the building and yeah. it's like would they have like those x-ray vision thing and I'm just <laughs> like, I forget it because yeah. I don't want to remember it you know it's uh. it's weird but, but I, yeah but otherwise that film is amazing it the is, first two acts of that film is yeah. phenomenal agreed and Heath Ledger is the best Joker yes Although Wacom Phoenix, I think, is, you know, giving him a good run for his money. Yeah. I do, I do, I do think it's a great performance. My problem with his, with Wacom Phoenix is the Joker is supposed to be an evil genius. Mm. But Wacom Phoenix's character, he didn't seem particularly intelligent. He didn't seem like he could come up against Batman. No. Unless he accidentally no. shot him. Because he, he seems like everything that happened to him that made him dangerous was by accident. Mm. If he came out against Batman, Batman would end him in a single punch. Yes, yeah. Whereas the point of the Joker is he's supposed to... It's like you'd stand at one end of the room and Batman would come towards him and then suddenly everything would explode. Mm. But this guy doesn't seem like he'd be able to... He'd have that much forethought. He just... It's really odd it's because obviously you've got that... You know, you have that sort of quite linear narrative mm. that takes you through um, his transformation. But like, if you look at The Killing Joke, for example... Yeah. Where you've got kind of the you've got the the early life of the Joker, and then you have Joker in the interrogation room mm. with Batman, and there's not that bit in between of yeah. like how he becomes that kind of like you say the evil genius. Mm. You know, he's a loser, and then he is the evil genius. So, yeah. I and I, I think you're right. I don't think the film kind of dealt with that particularly well. Yeah, he just seemed a bit of a fantasist. And yeah. my problem will be if in the second one they suddenly go to say he's a, he's a genius. Because mm. that yeah. will just feel very tacked on and weird and not... But then again, the way the way in which the movie ended, which, you know, he's the man of the people, he's the revolutionary, yeah. and he's guiding it, it could be that he's he has that sort of Svengali um, uh, appearance to fool people into him being a genius, but without Possibly. actually but being But then one. in those private moments, he also was a bit... Not a genius. Yeah, oh, yeah. a so, bit not a genius. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it will be more of a case that he'll have intelligent people around him and he'll be sure. more of a figurehead. Sure. Um, but I would be interested to see how they go with the second Joker mm. and if they ruin it, which they probably will. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. but I just, I'm just really hoping. I was really hoping that wasn't going to happen. But yeah. the last scene in the asylum, you just knew that that. It was setting yeah. it up for a number two. They should have left it with him on the road, sort of yeah. directing the madness. That would I be... just love that. It was chilling. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was a lovely way to end it because yeah. it had such ambiguity in how you were supposed to yeah. feel about Joker and how you were supposed to. Problem with Warner read Brothers, it. though, they can never end anything until it stops mm. making money. They keep going. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It's. I mean, to be fair, it made a billion dollars. <laughs> I would, but the thing is, I I'd be surprised if the second one made anywhere near that amount of money. I think the reason it made so much money is because it was such a revolutionary film. Mm. It was so different to what we've seen before. I don't. Yeah, think that's amazing gonna... for an R-rated movie as well yeah, to make a billion dollars. That's yeah. you know, it's pre that's quite incredible. Yeah. Um. I, I very soon I'm going to have to do my um, my uh, head of department duties. I think I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to uh, interview some students for next year. All right. However, I did want to ask you: Are you are you been watching Watchmen? Uh, I haven't Sky because Atlantic. I don't know uh, because I don't have Sky. That's why. Uh. I d although I have watched the film, mm. 
And apparently, so apparently the TV show is a continuation of the comic book or the film. It's 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 his own entity. You can watch it without it? having to know knowing anything about right. the um the previous work. So the film is almost, I would say, a shot for shot version yes. of the comic. <laughs> yeah, you know. well, that's very Zack Snyder. He did that with the yeah. three hundred as well. And it doesn't work, obviously, because one's a comic book and one's yeah. a movie, so the dialogue's awful. And yeah. and know, it's weird it's they didn't. I mean, it's not weird they didn't do the squid thing, but I mean, y- y- for it to be so close and then at the end not do the mm. squid thing. Mm. And yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the, I found I found the the film. Just pretty awful. I tried to watch it again recently before I started watching mm. the TV show, but the TV show is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it is kind of the one of the best things I've seen this year. Really, it's wow. just amazing. It's inventive. It's um, it's disturbing. It's yeah. everything that um, the film should have been in a way. Yeah, I know. think we are definitely in a television renaissance. Yeah, it's becoming. I mean, te- I actually find that television more entertaining than a film because mm. a film you know you watch it for two hours and then it's done but a television show you can really get into it and you can yeah. get with the characters and it's more because I think television is character driven films are story driven yeah and I, I think I prefer character driven narratives over a sort of longer period of time well this is interesting isn't it because you had the Irishman which has just come out yes, in a three and yeah. a half hour three and a movie version I, think, I haven't <laughs> seen it yet but I've I've seen a lot of things online of people like saying these are the points that you can break it yes, down to make exactly. it seem like a TV you, show you turn it into your own TV yeah, yeah. show which they did with Hateful Eight as well didn't they when Netflix yeah, they did. put yes. on this so, yeah. so you're right Yeah, maybe these are both character driven movies yeah. that probably work much better as a TV, TV show, show rather yeah. than, than a movie <laughs> yeah. but um, what's great about Watchmen and I would highly recommend recommend it when it comes out on DVD mm. or Blu-ray is um, the fact that you don't know where this is going. Right. So I'm, a, I'm episode four now and I have another four to watch. So is it not based off any pre-existing? No. Really? Wow. <laughs> two characters who are originally in it, but this right. is set in present day. So they're wow. old people, you know, they right. are, yeah. they are retired coming to the end of their lives. Wow. You know, um, it is superb. It is great. Is it um, written by, um, no, no. Alan, Alan Moore's not put his no, name to Alan it. Moore, that's um, it. David Gibbons is uh, one of the consultants on it, and um, I, I think he was a consultant on the movie as well. Right. And you know, obviously, he's the aesthetics, isn't he? Didn't so Alan Moore say he didn't like it? Alan Moore doesn't like anything. Alan Moore would, would not watch it. No. And uh, this is the thing: he 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 won't he won't he refuses to to mm. watch it, which is a bit frustrating. Because um, yeah. I love Alan Moore, and um, I just think he would really like it, yes. <laughs> and I'd, like, I'd yeah. like him to enjoy it. Yeah, because I think maybe so when it's your own work, and it's like because it's like something you spent time on, and then someone else does yeah. it, takes it in direction. Maybe you weren't thinking for it to go. It's just kind of well, strange. it's it's basically it's his, it's his beef with um, with DC. Yeah, and so you know he w- he's a man of principle, and that is it. Yeah, and and you're not going to change him on that one. So shame. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to let you get back to your head of department duties. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Harry. you very much for uh, being on episode seven of Harry and Guest. I enjoyed it very much. We have to do this again sometime. We absolutely must. Right. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And uh, I will see you next week. Uh, goodbye.